0: Greetings and hello, fellow Trekkies. Welcome back to another episode of Yelling About Star Trek. My name is Christian Fox, and this is a show where I yell at you about all things Star Trek for your amusement, so I'm not yelling at my friends and family who don't want to hear my thoughts and theories on this fantastic franchise. Today, I want to talk about a character who I think is actually the most Star Trek character ever, and that is Dr. Floggs from Star Trek Enterprise. But before I actually explain why I think that is the case and actually have a really positive discussion, I want to get something off my chest. And this is a major problem I've had with Enterprise over the past maybe five years when I noticed this issue. So I am going to rent about archer's desk and the lack of a keyboard okay this is really stupid it is pointless it does not impact the quality of the show at all but it just aggravates me if you watch star trek enterprise a lot and i'm assuming you're listening to this podcast then there's a pretty good chance that you have watched star trek enterprise a lot or maybe just once or twice But you might notice that Captain Archer spends quite a bit of time in his ready room. And that's fine. That's not a problem. All captains spend time in the ready room. Except for Captain Kirk, who never had a ready room for some reason, which is another issue that that bothers me. But in his ready room, Archer has a desk. And he has a computer. And on that computer, he does work. But for some reason... There is no keyboard or control interface. It's not a keyboard. Why would they have a keyboard? It's Star Trek. They don't have keyboards, but there's no control interface or panel or whatever you want to call it on the desk. So there's no way for him to actually input commands into the computer. And that is very odd. And I get it's touchscreen. And because it's Star Trek, all of the computers are touchscreen, but there's no keyboard. And This is really apparent in the season four episode, Affliction, I believe. And I'm saying Affliction because I believe it's the part two of the Klingon trilogy. And the first one is Divergence. No, sorry. I'm very sorry, everybody. I apologize. Affliction is part one of that trilogy or that not trilogy exists, only a two-parter episode. And then there's Divergence, which is part two. But in part one, Reed is talking to a gentleman from section 31 in his desk on his computer. And on his desk is a keypad, or rather a control panel or interface, again, the control panel of some kind that allows him to input commands into his computer. So number one, that's annoying that somehow Lieutenant Reed has that in his room or his quarters, as they say on Star Trek. But for some reason, Captain Archer doesn't have it in his ready room. I mean, what is going on? And it's been that way consistently for four years. And even worse than that, there are two panels that could work as a control panel for the computer on his wall. Why are there two panels on the wall that look like they could very well be on the desk that would allow the computer to function as it's intended? And I don't get it. I don't understand. Anytime Archer is in his radio room doing things, it takes me out because I'm like, where's the keyboard? Where's the keyboard? Where's the keyboard? And I keep saying keyboard, but I mean interface control panel, the futuristic term for whatever that is. It's ridiculous. Again, It does not impact the quality of the show, so it's not really an issue, but it bothers me because I noticed it once in 2013 and I just could not stop thinking about it. So if you watch Enterprise anytime soon and you see a scene with Archer in his ready room, which you probably will, look at the desk. And if there's some other interface that I'm missing, let me know, I would feel very happy if that were true but I don't think there is because I have watched it. uh, I don't know how many times I've watched the series. I don't want to say I've watched it six or seven times, but I probably have watched it six or seven times. So I'm pretty sure there's nothing on his desk that can work as a control panel interface for his computer. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It really bugs me. But, you know, that's enough about this control panel because I really want to talk about Dr. Flox and why I think he is the most Star Trek character in the entire franchise. But as usual, before I get into all of that, make sure you get out of your space pajamas, put on your shiny spare boots, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, maybe some iced tea if you want to pull the Archer maneuver, and brace for impact because things are about to get nerdy. So... As I get into this whole discussion about Dr. Flox being the most Star Trek character ever, I want to make a disclaimer and say that Dr. Flox is not my favorite doctor in Star Trek. That honor goes to the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. And this is something I've talked about a lot where I just love the doctor and I love Robert Picardo and I think he is perfection. But Dr. Flox is, like Janeway, a second but so close to being the second that you could ask me at any given day. And I might even just say that, oh, you know, what? it's actually Dr. Flox, He's my favorite doctor because he is so close to being my favorite. He's not. He is so close that he's my second favorite doctor, but just so close, you know, like uh, it, it's so close that it's frustrating to have to try to pick one favorite doctor because Dr. Flox is incredible. And so there are two reasons that I think Dr. Flox is the most Star Trek doctor in the franchise. Number one, his openness to new cultures. As we all know, Star Trek is all about encountering new life forms and new civilizations and befriending them and truly trying to accept what they're all about. And I think for the most part, the characters in Trek do a very good job of that. But, uh, you know, a lot of our characters are human and we have our own biases or biases, as they say, as you might say. And so there are times, uh, quite frankly, a lot of times where the human characters are very uncomfortable with a new species and they might be polite and might outwardly say, hey, I accept what your culture is all about and I want to try new things. But, you know, there's a little bit of um, hesitation, which is fine. I completely get. But it does get to be a little problematic when your whole shtick is that, hey, we accept all species, but still we're uncomfortable with them and going to uh, going to look at gawk and be like, oof, um... You know what? I'm going to pass on the Gogh, okay? I'm not feeling live worms right now. And and that's kind of an attitude that that you that you see all the time where characters are hesitant to embrace new cultures. They do it because they're Starfleet, but there's a little bit of hesitation. But when you get Dr. Phlox, he never hesitates and he is in fact so open to new cultures that nothing seems to I'm just trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say disgust because I'm not saying that the characters are disgusted by other cultures, but there's a hesitation. And Dr. Phlox doesn't seem to ever have that hesitation. In fact, one of the first scenes in Enterprise is when Dr. Phlox is aboard the Enterprise and he's talking to Archer and he's like, oh, you know, I have a a leech here that is great for healing, blah, blah, blah. And Archer's like, ooh, uh, a leech? Uh, That's a little strange. And he's hesitant. Dr. Vlogs can see this and says, but Captain Archer, you're here to meet new cultures, right? Well, embracing new cultures means embracing new ideas or something along those lines. And you get the impression right away that he is completely open to new cultures. And that never changes. He has a great discussion with uh, DePaul in the mess hall in... I want to say episode two or three where they're they're chowing down on some lunch and she's eating uh, plumic, uh soup. And why am I forgetting his name? The guy we've been talking about for the last five minutes or I've been talking about, not we, I'm not a bork. Uh, Dr. Flox. And Dr. Flox says, hey, you know, maybe you should, uh, you know, you should try some human food. And she looks appalled at that. Paul is appalled. I'm sorry, I can't help myself sometimes. Uh, I I apologize, but not really. And she's kind of like, ah, all right. And you know, you sort of see her changing and getting more into human foods throughout the series. But it's Dr. Fox who sits down and says, hey, try new foods, try some human foods because you're on a human ship. We're out here to explore strange new worlds and infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And he kind of throws that in her face. And it's like, hey, that is the Vulcan edict. and it's Phlox who's reminding her of that. And that's fantastic. And you see this all the time. And even when it comes to human food, one of my favorite things about Flocks is that he likes Chinese food. You don't meet a lot of aliens in Trek who are really into human food. Often they will, you know, they'll try it, but they're never crazy about it. But the fact that he's like, ah, yes, I love the Chinese food in San Francisco and egg drop soup. And I just, I love that dialogue, one, because I love Chinese food. And I should clarify, when I say Chinese food, I mean Americanized Chinese food, not authentic Chinese food, because I've never had it. But I do love what I call the real, authentic, fake Chinese food. Or rather, the real, authentic, Americanized Chinese food. So the fact that he likes Chinese food is incredible. So the fact that Dr. Flox, a Denobulan, likes Chinese food and actually looks forward to it It's incredible, but it's so indicative of his openness to new cultures, and it's something that he really never loses, and regardless of who he meets, he's always excited to meet them and to get to know them. There's the episode, not shockwave, Cold Front, where he um, meets these uh, travelers who who are there to... Uh, witness. Why am I saying it like I haven't seen the episode? I I watched it literally probably a month ago. And they're there, and they're there to witness the great plume of Agrisoria. Agrisoria, I believe. And he is so into it. He goes like gung-ho, and he's doing all the chanting, and he is just into it. And we've seen other characters do the same thing where, you know, they'll go down to a planet, and Picard will do all the polite things, and really get invested into the culture, but not in the same way that Flocks does. And again, this is consistent throughout the series. This isn't like a one-time thing. This is consistent throughout the series. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of Dax, who I would say is another character who is one of the most tortured characters in that. She is just so open to new cultures and new experiences. The fact that she gets along with Quark and loves Ferengi culture when almost any other Federation character or Starfleet character, I should say, hates that culture. And, you know, there's the Captain Baudet thing where she thinks Captain Baudet is really attractive, where Kira can't get past his transparent skull, and that's kind of a joke. And so there's all these times where Dax is seen just embracing other cultures. But Phlox does that, but even more so, because I feel like it happens in almost every episode. I shouldn't say it every episode, that's not true. But it just happens so much that, that just kind of becomes his thing is that, oh, he's the guy that's going to be open to new experiences and new cultures. So I think that's one reason that Dr. Flocks is the most Star Trek character in the franchise. And the second reason is his optimism. Now, again, one of his first scenes in Enterprise, actually, I think it's the same scene where he's sort of chiding Archer for being uncomfortable with his animals and his medical practices. And Archer's all worried about the Klingon situation and how that's gonna get resolved. And then Dr. Phlox says optimism, Captain, or something along those. I think it's optimism, but I can't remember if it's captain or not. But he says it. And like that is one of the the things that's so quotable about Phlox is when he goes optimism. But he's just so optimistic throughout the series that even in season three, he doesn't change a whole lot. He's pretty optimistic for that season. He doesn't get beat down. He's in hes in a good mood for the most part. And in a lot of ways, is like a morale officer. He's able to help people feel better about the situation. But it's done in a way that doesn't feel like it's cheap in the sense where one of my gripes with Voyager and with TNG and some of the other series to some degree is that characters go through traumas, but then the next week they're fine. And that bothers me. That seems kind of cheap. So the idea that Phlox doesn't change at all in season three could be problematic in that, well, how could he not change going through this horrific event? But it feels to me like it's handled in a way that seems authentic and thoughtful in the sense that, It's just the nature of his character. He's just naturally an optimistic guy. So naturally, even in the face of great adversity, he still is pretty much the same character. And, you know, you might disagree with me. That could be a little bit divisive. There's not really a lot of explanation as to why he's remain so optimistic, but you just get the sense that that's his nature. And why that makes it so Star Trek is that Star Trek is naturally optimistic. And the thesis statement of Star Trek is that, hey, things are bad now, but with enough determination and if we work together, we can build this fantastic future that we see in all the series and that we watch week to week. So naturally, having a character who's optimistic is like having a character who embodies Star Trek. And I would say all of the captains are pretty optimistic. All the characters, for the most part, in Star Trek. Like, all of the Starfleet characters are generally pretty optimistic in that, no, we can get through this. We will succeed, kind of thing. But Phlox takes it to a whole new level. And, you know, whenever there's a scene where Phlox is grumpy about something, I'm always surprised just because that's not what the character's all about. And we don't see it much. And it's like, okay, if Dr. Phlox is upset, something must be going on. There must be something seriously wrong with, with him or something horrible must be happening for him not to be in a good mood. It's just like, naturally characters get grumpy with each other because they're humans or, you know, and and aliens, I shouldn't just say humans because there's not just humans in Star Trek, but you know, they all have emotions. So yeah, they're going to be irritated with each other. But for some reason, Phlox just always seems to be happy. And optimistic, which I think is incredible, especially when you take someone like the Doctor, who I adore. The Doctor, as I keep saying, is my favorite Doctor in Star Trek. But man, that dude was grumpy. It's like there was one episode in, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to keep saying the episode names because I don't know every episode name. Although I'm pretty sure it was There's Coffee in this Nebula, but there was an episode early on in Voyager season one. Where Kes comes in and she wants to get some soil samples. She turns on the doctor. The doctor's like, "Oh, you just want dirt," and he starts complaining about people treating him badly, which totally justified, by the way. Like I would be pretty upset if people kept turning me on, you know, activating my if I was a if I was a hologram and activating my program and then leaving without turning it off. That would be pretty frustrated. But it's just that Doctor was grumpy, and even Robert Picardo said,, uh, when he was given the character when he was doing the lines, he wasn't sure how to how to make it unique. So he just played him grumpy and that that worked. And I think it's fantastic for the character, but it's huge contrast to Dr. Flox where he is just always happy. Like I can't even think of a scene really where one of the main characters in the show comes into Sick Bay, and he's not delighted to see them. It's not even like, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not feeling very chatty right now. I'll help you out. But it's like when you're at work and someone comes into your office and you're kind of annoyed because you're really focused on what you're doing. You're in a good rhythm. You know, you're you're answering emails. You've got this perfect thing you want to say to a client. But then someone comes in and they do the whole, oh, I don't mean to bother you. But and, you know, you try to be polite and For the most part, you you try to look like you're happy to speak to them, but it doesn't always happen. And sometimes, because again, we're human, we can get annoyed. But very rarely does that ever happen in Enterprise where someone walks in Dr. Phlox doesn't seem to be happy to see them. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of my great aunt Peggy, who actually just felt like an aunt, even though technically she was a great aunt. But she felt like an aunt because I would see her every summer. Her, my Uncle Bud, my grandma and grandpa, my mom, and, and those were truly some of the happiest times of my life. But when anybody saw Aunt Peggy, she made you feel like you were the most important person in the world, regardless of the situation. And I know my grandma would often chastise her and say, hey, I know you're trying to be polite, but, you know, it's okay to like still do if you're, for example, if she was doing laundry, someone would come over and she would set aside the laundry. She'd be delighted to see them and she'd make them tea and do the whole routine and then she'd be irritated that she never got any work done or that she wasn't able to get work done that day because that person came over. And so my grandma would say, well, you know, what she would do, what my grandma would do is she would still do her work and, and be sociable, but not be as sociable. So Flocks reminds me so much of my Aunt Peggy in that when someone walks into a sick bay, he is just so delighted to see them. And he will drop whatever he's doing to engage in a conversation and help them out and be like, hey, you know what? I was doing something. He doesn't even say if he was doing something. He's just like, all right, you have a headache? Let's scan you. I'll pull out the medical tricorder. We'll fix you right up. And the other doctors like Dr. Crusher and um, Dr. Bashir, they all did that too, to an extent. But there was something about Phlox that just really made you feel like, at least as the viewer, that he was just so happy to see people when they'd come through. And that was so consistent. And again, there'd be very few times where he was grumpy or upset. And obviously there'd be times where, you know, he'd be pretty, not irritated, but he would be like, he'd be very solemn. If someone, if, you know, if a patient died, he'd be very solemn, of course, is what you'd expect. But when the patient wasn't dying, which sounds horrible when I say it that way, but in most episodes, patients don't die because it's Star Trek. He was just so optimistic and just seemed delighted to talk to people and just generally always had a smile on his face. And so when you combined the fact that he was so open to new cultures and so optimistic, he really does feel like the most structured character in the entire franchise. But what about you? Do you agree with me in that he is the most structured character ever? Or do you think that honor belongs to someone else let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Also, let me know what you like and what you don't like about the show, because ultimately, my goal is to make a podcast that you enjoy listening to. And in the paraphrase words of Captain Kirk, I shall see you out there. That-a-way.